All right, if you're anything like me, you hate running out of food on a trip. It's like a big fear, and so I'm I'm a big fan of snacks during an adventure, and one of my absolute favorite go-to snacks are wonderful pistachios. You may be familiar with pistachios and the brand Wonderful Pistachios, but if you're not, they are one of the highest protein nuts out there. One ounce serving of Wonderful Pistachios is six grams of protein. That's 10% of your daily value. It also includes nine essential amino acids, and they come with a ton of different flavors, varieties. There's a spicy version, there's lightly salted, there's no salted, there's so many. And every time I go on an adventure, I not even lying, I take an entire bag with me. And what's cool too, I love having the wonderful pistachio in shell because then that almost gives me something to do and focus on as I'm paddling or biking through the really monotonous parts of the adventure. Every great adventure is going to have plenty of boring moments and it's nice to have something to do and also something that is giving you some fuel like wonderful pistachios. So they're one of my favorite adventure snacks, favorite road trip snacks, and definitely leave me feeling better than a lot of other snacks you can turn to. So if you want to learn more about how to fuel your next adventure with wonderful pistachios, go to wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast has helped me plan for my tax bill so I don't dread April every year balancing my budget for this show, and helping me financially plan for my next adventure. You can listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Rodeo season is going to be kicking off soon, and you know, I, I like the rodeo. I like going to the rodeo. I like going to cattle auctions and all sorts of those activities, and I want to look the part while I'm there. I love Tecovis as my go-to boots company, and if you've ever been in one of their stores, it's an amazing experience. Their motto is, don't go gently. They are my favorite cowboy boot, and they bring a fresh perspective to heritage boot making, and they carry forward all those time-honored traditions and quality you will find in a great pair of cowboy boots, but they're innovative on comfort, style, and service. They have Western boots for men and women and are handmade from the most premium leather and follow over 200 time-honored individual steps in their boot-making process. Pretty cool. They're Austin-designed, Texas-tested, and handmade. And if you want to go to one of their stores, it is an amazing experience. They take customer service to a whole new level. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. And as a special opportunity just for you listeners, Tecovis is going to throw in their best-selling trucker hats or a ball cap for free into any purchase over $100 at tecovis.com. Just use the code ADVENTURE at checkout. Again, that's Tecovis, T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com, and use the code ADVENTURE at checkout to add a free hat to your order over Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Mason. Uh, Today's episode is a throwback 
to when Travis and Kurt was hosting. And funny enough, this is kind of a rare one. Travis was hosting this episode. And a really cool twist on the Colorado 14ers challenge, which is all the mountains in Colorado over 14,000 feet. And there's like 58 of them. And uh, Junaid and his partner, adventure partner, that is, climbed them all. Uh, and not only climbed them, but walked in between them, made it a through hike, which is just a really unique twist on the 14ers challenge. And uh, yeah, so th- this is a throwback. This is one of uh, the coolest adventures I had heard of at the time. And I've actually tried to do something like this, but instead of walking between them, I tried to bike between them. And I got to like a third of the way through before my body just couldn't keep up. The weather was terrible. And I, I-, I was probably a little bit of a weenie too. Um, but I got through about 20 of them. Yeah, it was it was quite an experience. So to think about doing that and walking between them, uh, you know, hundreds—that's gosh, probably a thousand miles of walking by the time you're all done, plus all the elevation of climbing. That's all on trail and off trail, all that. So yeah, really big, really cool adventure. And uh, and also, I did something unique yesterday. If you haven't checked it out, I did almost a trip report and kind of an explanation of of this very small adventure in comparison to today's episode of something I did a couple weeks ago. And holy cow, I think that was the most downloads, which is our metric in podcasting for for listens. The only way we can know how many people listen is how many people download the podcast episode. And that was the most by a long shot that we've ever had in a single day. So I don't know what it was about that episode. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it. You might think, actually, this isn't very good. It's just me talking into a mic for like 45 minutes it was very weird for me to do. Uh, not I like talking to a guest. I prefer that. But I uh, tried something new, and y'all seem to like it. If anybody can give me feedback on to uh, you know what you liked about it, if anyone's listening, uh, please email me or message us on Instagram or something. I I want to know what you liked. What was there? Because I, I want to do more of that. If it was well received, maybe not me talking. Maybe other people sharing trip reports or just something. Um, but it was, I checked out the numbers this morning and I was like, holy crap, this is, there's something here. I, I'm talking like double the amount of downloads that we usually get in a day and it set a new record for us. So thank you. And, uh, it was a lot of fun. And I'll say this as a seasoned adventurer, that 12 hour experience, basically 24 hours that I was away from home to do this was as fulf- every bit of fulfilling and every bit of fun adventure as some of my multi-month trips. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's like a, you, you, it's the same. It's a piece of the same pie. Yes, it's a smaller piece, but I, when I'm out on an adventure, I'm not getting a. You know, you don't when you're out there for like a month, like uh, Junaid is for this episode. You're not getting all of that adventure at once. You're you're getting it one moment at a time. And so even if you're out on an adventure for a couple hours or a day or a weekend, you're still getting the same amount of adventure one moment at a time, one moment at a time. So instead of that, you know, it's the same cadence. It's the same input uh, frequency, I guess you could say. And so it's really cool to experience that in little short windows, like a day here or a day there or an evening here. And what's cool about that is you don't have to wait for the summer or you don't have to wait for your retirement or whatever. You can do it more frequently. So you can almost get more adventure by just breaking it up into smaller chunks and doing it more often, which 
might be more possible for you right now versus a really long, big experience somewhere really far away. So I, I encourage you to, to, to check out that format and kind of try to replicate it if, if that's the position in life you're in. But if you, by all means, if you've got a window, if you've got the money, you've got the time, uh, you've got the opportunity to do something a lot bigger, a lot longer, definitely go for it. Those are life-changing experiences. But if you don't, you still got to go for it because it's it's the same thing. It's this it's the take the same flavor. It's the same piece of pie, just a smaller chunk, but you can have it more often. So anyway, enough with my rant. Let's get into today's really awesome, really epic adventure. Welcome to another episode of the Adventure Sports Podcast. This is your host, Travis Parsons. Some people spend their lifetime attempting to climb every one of Colorado's 14,000-foot peaks, and many never get close. In 2013, Junaid Daoud and his friend Luke set out to summit each and every 14er in one single trip. Junaid is here with me today to tell us all about it. Junaid, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Hey, thanks. So... You guys have trail names. Let's start out with what your trail name is and how did you come by it? Uh, so, well, I actually have a trail name, but Luke did did not have a trail name. We we really didn't use them on the 14ers hike since no, nobody was really out there, so to speak. Um, uh, my trail name is Special 41, and I got it on the Pacific Crest Trail in 2006. And it was basically after make, making a smart aleck comment uh, you know, about being special cause my mommy said so. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I kind of got, I got stuck with it after that. Um, at first <laughs> I was resistant. Um, and then I made an agreement and then I still didn't really think that I was going to keep it. It was going to like change or something, but it's really grown on me. And there are definitely a number of people who, who know me first as, as special. <laughs> that's funny i imagine a lot of trail names go uh with resistance at first until people agree to adopt them yeah absolutely um you know it's it, it's a little odd when you're out there at first you're like oh you know i don't want to just get a trail name for anything and so people you know and some people obviously never take a trail name but i i think they're kind of great it's a lot easier to remember a name like railroad or something than than bob you know so yeah, and they always provide a good backstory, something to break the ice with people too. So when's Luke going to get his trail name? Um, I, you know, I don't know if he will. Uh, he, if if he ends up doing any more distance hiking, um, you know, he he may or may not end up getting one. We'll see. <laughs> okay. So take a few minutes to tell us about yourself and what got you started. What got you hooked on through hiking and climbing fourteeners? Uh, so well, you know, I always kind of was brought up going outside a little bit. Uh, we used to go camping and for a little while we were actually living in our property, um, in tents, um, before we got a house in town. So for like, you know, probably a good five months while I was a teenager, we actually lived outside. Um, I was also in the Boy Scouts during middle school. Uh, I went on a, a few pretty great trips with them, some rafting trips and a couple of trips up to like Mount St. Helens and things like that. So I, I definitely had you know, the outdoors to some degree in my, in my upbringing. Um, when I got older, I moved out to Hawaii to go to, to college and it was definitely, 
out there on the trails around Honolulu and some of the surrounding islands as well, where I uh, really kind of became a, a real hiker. That's cool. So have you been able to experience hiking uh, in a few different parts, at least on the, the west side of the states. What uh, what would you say is your still your most favorite place to hike? Oh, man, there's so many great places. Uh, I mean, honestly, anywhere that somebody is, there's probably a great hike within a half an hour to an hour drive of where they are. Um, on the West Coast, there's obviously lots of, of pretty iconic spots. You've got the areas around Crater Lake and, you know, uh, um, Goat Rocks Wilderness in Washington. Uh, the John Muir Trail, I think, is some of the, the finest hiking trail in the U.S. Um, obviously, in Hawaii, there's some pretty fantastic views, but the trail is not always that great. A lot of times, it's just a ridge with a muddy path, if if that. Um but there's some pretty amazing hiking to be had out in Hawaii as well. That's cool. Yeah, I need to get out to Hawaii. It's a, it's a one of those on my bucket list. Yeah, in due time, it's definitely worth the time. So tell me a little bit more. Tell me a lot more, actually, about this trip that you guys did in in 2013. What made you decide to do this? I mean, this is a it's a pretty serious endeavor. Most people, like I said, you know, attempt to to do it in a lifetime. And you guys decided to do it in a single trip. How did that all kick off? Well, so I originally moved to Colorado after having completed the Pacific Crest Trail um, in 2006. And then in 2007, I finished the, the miles that I hadn't done in 2006. So after having completed the PCT once, I moved to Colorado, ended up hiking it again with a friend of mine and going all the way through that time. And a couple of years later, I, I was really feeling like I hadn't been able to take advantage of living in Colorado as far as climbing 14ers and climbing peaks, which was really one of the reasons that I moved to the state in the first place. Um, and in 2012, I was already sort of thinking about my next hike and what, it, what I wanted it to be. And I had originally thought I would, I would hike the Continental Divide Trail in 2013. Uh, but after sort of a a day when we took the dog to the lake, um, I remember sitting in the back seat and we were going along and the dog gets crazy as, as we cross the, uh, the highway. Cause it, it realizes then that like, you know, Oh, we're going to the lake. So right about the time the dog started going nuts, I remember just this idea of, you know, like, well, you know, you're not climbing the, the 14ers like you wanted to, and you, and you want to hike. So like, why don't you just, hike to all of the 14ers. And, and I remember thinking, thinking the thought and immediately thinking, hmm, I wonder if you even can. And uh, it went from sort of the curiosity of, I wonder whether I could do that or whether, wonder whether it can be done, what the mileage would be, what, what the terrain looks like, you know, the whole bit. Um, so the more I started thinking about it, the more I thought, yeah, that's, that, that can be done. There's no logistical reason it can't be um and then it was sort of a matter of well do i feel like i'm up to that challenge and you know i i had at that point completed the pacific crest trail twice um i've definitely climbed some 14ers before uh i'm a pretty good rock climber i deal really well with elevation i i had been living in aspen for a few years and and a lot of times working up on top of the mountain in aspen so you know, I, I had a pretty good feeling for how I dealt with things at elevation. 
And uh, it sort of just went from curiosity to an obsession to planning. And before I knew it, it was, you know, it was, it was, all right, let's do this. So you convinced uh, your buddy Luke to join in. How was that difficult? Uh, it wasn't difficult. I mean, it took a little bit of time for, you know, after I kind of had a short list of people that, that I thought maybe I'd invite along because I wasn't, wasn't really sure I wanted to try to do it as a solo trip. Um, you know, distance hiking can get lonely and, and climbing 14ers can get dangerous. And, uh, I really thought like it would be, I thought it would be a good idea to, to have a partner for the trip. Um, and Luke was basically at the top of the short list for people I knew that I thought had a good mountaineering background and would be able to, to cope when it came to the distance hiking aspects of it. And, uh, I asked him if he was into it, told, told him I was going to do it and that, that, that I thought it'd be great if he'd come along and, and do it with me. And, uh, he thought about it for a little while and then said, yeah, all right. You know, t- took him a couple of weeks to sort of mull it over. And I think once he was convinced himself that it was possible, um, then it was a little easier for him to say, yeah, let's go ahead and do this. Right. Okay. So I imagine that was a pretty short list then, because I can't, I can't think of many people that would go out, you know, and, and tackle that endeavor. I mean, just climbing a single 14er is bad enough. You know, some of these can be pretty serious climbs. Other, others are fairly easy hikes, but just sit there and do all 58 of them in one shot. That's uh, like I said, that's gotta be a pretty short list. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly not for everybody. I, I mean, I don't consider myself to be some sort of top tier athlete or anything like that. I'm first and foremost a, a long distance backpacker, and and I really think that distance backpacking is something that that most people can do. Um, they might not be able to do it fast. They might not be able to do a bunch of high passes all the time. You know, what, whatever the case may be. But but primarily, I'm a distance backpacker, and uh, and I enjoy climbing peaks. Um, so honestly, I mean, I, I wasn't entirely sure I was the person to be able to do it until I got to the top of Long's Peak and finished it. Um, you know, out on the, the PCT, I certainly met a number of pretty hardcore hikers and people that had some, some good experience. Um, when I moved to Colorado, I met Luke, and it was, you know, pretty apparent from the get-go that he and I would probably end up doing some adventures together. And so... You know, I I know that he had done some mountaineering, including in the Himalayas and South America. He's gone through some Knowles courses. He's so I mean he's he's done some things, and he enjoys um, long distance, like human powered kind of stuff. He's done relay races and you know mountain bike races, and 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 enjoys doing uh, ski tour races, all that kind of stuff. So he's a uh, you know. He's he's pretty hardcore. He's definitely more hard, hardcore than I, I would say. <laughs> well, it makes a big difference when you can find somebody that you click with. Um, there's got to be some trying times out there in that kind of hike that, uh, that really puts you to the test mentally. If you don't have somebody there that can either deal with you or you can deal with them, then things can blow up pretty quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Luke has a great temperament. He's uh, He's got a sort of, well, you know, that's how, that's what things are today kind of an attitude. And for the most part, I think we got along fantastically on the trip. We, we obviously, each of us had a couple of days 
throughout the journey where we were probably not very good company for the other. But uh, I think that by and large, we made we made a good team in that when one of us was kind of having a down day, the other one would kind of be able to recognize that and sort of help keep the spirits buoyed or whatever, you know, or in some cases just slow the pace so that, you know, for instance, there was one, one day I was having some incredibly bad um, shin splint type pain. And he just kind of was like, Hey man, yeah, we'll just, we'll just slow down. We'll take it easy. We'll stretch, hydrate, make sure that you can, you know, make it. And, uh, and we did. Um, so I, I really feel like we were pretty good at balancing out both each other's high and low points, as well as being able to sort of balance out each other's skill sets for the trip. Yeah, that's a huge benefit. Well, it's a testament too that you guys are still buddies after all that. So <laughs> I think you must uh, must have had a good thing going in to begin with. That's cool. So has anybody, to your knowledge, attempted this hike before you guys? So there were two guys that actually did something pretty similar, um, although I didn't find any real record of it until after we had completed. Um, I'd found like one paragraph on the internet somewhere um, about some guys who had done some kind of a walking tour in 1985. Uh, after After we completed the trip, we found out from a college paper, I believe up in Fort Collins, um, that there had been back in 1985, three guys that started and two guys that finished it. They did the, uh, I believe the list of 53 that was then standard, um, and also raised money for a charity, uh, with their hike. So there were some interesting parallels. I actually ended up getting in touch with the fellow, uh, that was mentioned in the paper and, and chatted with him a little bit. And I look forward to hoping, hopefully meeting up with him at some point and, being able to swap maps and look at photos and things like that and kind of see, see the similarities and differences. Uh, Cause the two trips happened, you know, obviously, you know, 30 years apart. It was so uh, pr- pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be neat to compare notes and see how, what uh, order they had done them in the time that they had done them and all that, that good stuff. So you never managed to meet up with them? No, I haven't met up with them. Uh, you know, life sort of uh, get, gets in the way of things sometimes. And I haven't really uh, been in touch with them for a while, not since a couple of weeks after I found out about the, about their trip. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure. The iconic vehicle has been redefined with thoroughly modern design. The exterior is reimagined with compelling proportions and precise detailing. The interior is built with robust materials and integrity, and the capability is legendary. Whether you're facing off-road challenges or harsh weather conditions, the Defender 110 lets you go further and do more. Durability has been tested to the extreme. Cargo capacity means you have room for all your gear. All this meaning to drive the Defender is to explore with greater confidence. And there's also powerful innovations like the intuitive driver display and award-winning infotainment system to keep you connected. And also the innovative camera technologies deliver unobstructed views and effortless maneuvering. And the entire Defender family is ready for a wide range of adventures. They have the two-door Defender 90, the Defender 110, and the Defender 130, which seats up to eight. So push what's possible with a vehicle made to go further, the Defender 110. Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash 
Defender. Shopify is a global commerce platform that helps you sell anything online at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million dollars in revenue stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're a podcaster trying to sell merch or selling autographed sports memorabilia, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one commerce platform to their personal POS system, Shopify has got you covered. Now, I do use Shopify with my day job. That's our website, and that's our platform. It's so handy. It makes it easy for us on the back end. It makes it easy for you as a shopper and as a customer to sell more. And they can help you all the way from those early, early days until you're a real business, making real money. And that's what I love about them. No matter how big you want to grow, they can grow with you and help you take control your business to get it to that next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ASP, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash ASP to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash ASP. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. I assumed you guys added up the the distance of this entire hike. Did you go on Google Earth or something and, and lay out the whole thing to find out how far you actually did travel? Uh, sort of, yeah. So what I did is I pieced together all of the, the bits that we had, which were basically each day we'd turn on the GPS, but it would record as separate tracks. Um, so I put those all into uh, a Garmin program um, and... Uh, also kind of cross-checked it in CalTOPO to sort of try to figure out what the true distances and elevation gains were. Um, but all told, it looked like it was about 1,350 miles uh, from the beginning all the way until we'd sort of exited after completing the, the peaks. To Officially, we sort of designated the peak of Culebra and the, the peak of Longs to be the starting point and the finishing point. Um, but including the climbs and descents of those two peaks, uh, it ended up being about, yeah, 1,350. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you're allowed to add that in. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> That's a heck of a trick. <laughs> yeah, and all told, we don't, you know, we're not entirely sure what the elevation gain was. Uh, the mapping software is... I don't think terribly conclusive and I've, I've definitely had some other people tell me that they think it, it's actually higher than we've said. Uh, our GPS only goes up to a hundred thousand feet. And after that, it doesn't, it doesn't measure additional elevation gain. Um, <laughs> not too many people have that problem. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, obviously it's not, not going to be an issue for most users, but for us, it was like, Oh no, well, we don't really know. Um, but according to the mapping software, it was some, somewhere north of 300,000 feet. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. That's just got to blow your mind to, to sit back some days and, and think about that at times. I mean, you're the one that did it and you know, it's, it's in your past, a couple of years in your past, but don't you just sit there and, and think about that from time to time? Just thinking how, how did I do that? That's amazing. Oh, sure. I mean, well, you know, I don't think there's many days that go by that I don't think of one of my long distance endeavors, um, either one of my PCT hikes or the 14ers hike. And the 14ers hike in particular is, in some ways, feels almost disconnected 
uh, it was so intense and, and 72 days is long, but you know, it was relatively fast as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think about it, uh, it, it still amazes me sometimes that we managed to pull it off, that we got lucky enough, um, that we physically were able to do it, that we were mentally able to do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's, every time I look at Long's Peak, I, I certainly get a little bit nostalgic and kind of go, wow, dude, yeah, that really happened. Yeah, I, I, I feel you there. The, um, I certainly haven't climbed all 58 peaks, but I have climbed longs and, and it was one of the hardest things I've done in my life. Um, just that one peak and living just right at the foot of it and looking up at it. There are many, many days where I just look up and think, yeah, that was, that was a great day. It was brutal, but it was great. They make, uh, for fond memories for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I, I kind of have this idea that everybody should at least once in their life, try to do something that they think is amazing, you know, impress yourself, you know, do it safely people, but, but impress yourself. And, uh, and I definitely feel like I at least accomplished that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would hope so. (laughs) That's one to take with you. So you've done the PCT a couple of times and you've done this crazy hike of 1,350 miles across all 58 14ers. Um, So does that mean you haven't done the Continental Divide Trail or the uh, Pacific Crest Trail yet? Uh, well, I haven't done the Appalachian Trail or the Continental Divide Trail. Um, oh, that's right. I said Pacific. <laughs> yeah, I think pro- yes. probably next on the list is my uh, is for me is the Continental Divide Trail. Okay. Um, there's there's really no shortage of hiking trips I'd like to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Given given the time and the money, I I don't think I'd stop for very long at all. <laughs> So why would you encourage people that have never done a hike like this or at least have never done a, a 14er climb? Why would you encourage them to get up and, and give it a go? That's a great perspective, um, you know, to get up on top of something like that. And I mean, you know, for instance, most of the peaks, you know, you can go up and, and they're not really uh, a rock climb. You know, you don't need to rope up for them. You don't, they're not super super hairy. A lot of them quite honestly are, are long walks up that require a lot of heavy breathing. Um, but most people can do that. And I'll tell you that, that feeling of, of getting to the top of a peak and just looking out at the amazing view and knowing that you used your body to get it, to get up there to, for that view. Um, it's, it's a great feeling. It's definitely one of accomplishment and one that, that, that gets a little bit addictive, I'd say. Um, but it's, uh, it's great exercise. Um, and man, you meet some great people when you're out there in the mountains too. Yeah, that's very true. And I like that you bring up the point about, you know, it's just, it's about getting there and, and feeling like you can accomplish something. It doesn't have to be one of the steeper peaks and, you know, one of the ones that, uh, that you can fall to your death on. I've climbed Mount Huron and that was just a beautiful walk on a beautiful day and you get up and you see amazing views once you get up there. So, yeah, I would say, you know, if people haven't tried it, try a smaller mountain like that. You still get up there, you still get the views, but you're not exerting a ton of energy and it gets you a feel for uh for getting into the uh to the sport to see how you like it to begin with. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as far as the the hiking aspect of it goes, honestly, most people have got got trails around them and even if there aren't trails, there's usually forest service roads or BLM roads and you know, I think it's just 
it's a good idea to get out and and just walk in the places that you live uh, check out the nearby trails and and even if it's only a half hour walk that's good for you you know gets your gets your mind uh calmed a little bit of sweat a little bit of breathing um and i i think everybody could use a little bit more of that in their life <laughs> nothing wrong with a little bit of exercise so was there one amazing moment that you experienced that you just thought, I am here doing the right thing right now. This is really cool. Well, honestly, I mean, there were a lot of them. Um, you know, for instance, most of the time, anytime we got to the top of a peak, there was, I mean, it's a real punctuation of like emotion, right? You know, all right, cool. One more. We did one more. Um, I think when we, when we got to the point when that we realized we were counting down the number that we had left rather than counting up the number that we had completed, I think there was an interesting shift that day where it was like, Oh man, we're not, you know, we're not just trying to do it. We're mostly done at this point. You know, we've only got 10 peaks left or we've only got eight peaks left, you know? So that definitely, you know, once we could, would could sort of, count them all on one hand that was pretty fantastic yeah i'll bet yeah so so i didn't ask how long did it actually take you guys to do this 72 days wow that's a trip we had a few days off in there some of them you know due to uh inclement weather uh one do a couple of them were just planned rest days um but yeah we had like one day where we needed to pick up a package so we had to stay an extra day in town uh we had another day that we went up, um, made camp, got severely snowed on. Uh, the next morning I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to climb a peak this day. Let's go back <laughs> down to town and we'll do this tomorrow. So we, we walked out and then came back the, the next day and went up and over Gray's and Tories. Yeah. You probably enjoyed that day much more than, uh, you would have, have you had just set out that day, the snowy day? Yeah, we were pretty good about making the most conservative call as far as whoever felt, you know, like, oh, we should we should maybe not do this, which, to be honest, was me most of the time. Um, you know, it was usually me going, oh, I don't know, I think maybe we should just sit it out for the, the rest of the day and, and come at it fresh tomorrow. Um, like I said, Luke's, Luke's a tougher guy than I am. And, uh, and so for him, he was usually a little bit more you know, ready to, to go for things. And I was, I was usually the one that was kind of like, well, I don't know. I think, I think maybe let's make camp. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna... Well, you need that balance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and well, I mean, it was great too. Just sometimes when we were, st- you know, standing somewhere and trying to figure out, well, which way are we going to actually go here? How are we going to go about getting up this slope? Um, it was, it was nice to be able to sort of bounce back and forth and say, well, what looks good to you? What looks good to me? You know? And, uh, and when we were both right on, on, you know, thinking the same thing, it was like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, I feel a little bit better about the choices we're making here then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So did you guys have a, were you elated when you finished? Were you, did you feel disappointed when it was all over with? I know when I go on a long motorcycle ride or something, you know, multi-day trip, uh, it's that last day when you're coming back, you're thinking, I, I've got to stop. This is, this can't be right. Was it, was it like that? Or were you guys just really, truly done with the trip at that point? I mean, both, it's always both, you know, 
Um, I think most people that have ever gotten, you know, for instance, on the PCT, you get to the Canadian border and there's the monument and most people stop there and hang out and spend some time. And, and I don't think there's any way to, to not feel a little bit regretful that it's over because it represents such a high, amazing time in your life. But on the other hand, I mean, it's physically exhausting. You're tired of being dirty and sore. You want to see your family and friends, you know, there, you, so there, there's definitely, you know, two sides to it. Um, I, I was definitely ready to be done in the sense that like, I, I mean, I'd lost, you know, 20, 25 pounds. Um, I was tired, you know, my back had also been kind of giving me a lot of problems for about the the last like week of the trip. So yeah, I was, I was ready to to lay down, which is pretty much what I did when I got home. I, you know, when I got home, I more or less laid on the floor for a week. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> you would think one person would, uh, would want a nice cushy bed when they get off a trip like that, but you probably did the right thing. Oh, well, I mean, you know, I, uh, I went from bed to floor and back and forth, you know, <laughs> some, some eating in there as well. <laughs> Just relaxing, whatever it was, it was relaxing. Yeah, absolutely. So how about a story when things didn't quite go right on that trip? There must've been a, a few hairy moments. Well, I mean, like I said, there was the, for instance, the day that we, uh, we went up Chihuahua Gulch, um, and made camp with the intention of climbing Tories and then Gray's Peak in the morning. And overnight it snowed quite a bit. And, uh, you know, we still, we had some, we had good gear, uh, but it was still not very great weather. And I wasn't really terribly comfortable with the idea of going up with the weather, the way it was and the gear that we did have, um, we weren't outfitted for like full winter mountaineering or anything like that. So we went down to town and let it sort of the weather settle and let everything melt out. And we went back up and got right over it without too much problem. Um, so there was that, you know, honestly, one of the, one of the amazing things about the trip was how often things didn't go wrong. Um, we, we, by all rights should have gotten chased off a number of peaks by, by weather or lightning or something. And, and really it didn't happen. Um, Luke got sick once at, uh, at just after the Chicago basin area. Um, so that wasn't very cool. He got taken down by something he ate. Um, and we woke up at about six o'clock in the morning and he told me he'd been been vomiting since midnight and he looked terrible uh so we ended up taking a, a zero day that day and just getting a room and um you know letting him just sort of recharge because he was you know he's a pretty tough guy to so to see him go down as hard as it, he did that day was pretty rough and he he suffered for from it for a few days afterwards as well just the loss of energy yeah, I imagine that's taxing on a on a hike like this. It's it's good that you guys were within reach of of civilization to be able to do that for the night. It could have happened in worse places, I'm sure. Well, I mean, the irony was that it happened because of civilization. <laughs> I mean, it didn't happen because of food we were we were eating out there. It happened because of some some bad food that we got from a restaurant, and uh, so that was that was kind of frustrating. Um, you know, and I had I had a couple of pretty low points as well. I never really got sick like that, but there was uh, after several days of road walking, it can really take its toll. And we had to do um, a road walk 
essentially from oh let's see the the west end of uh Kurakanti Reservoir uh all the way through Gunnison and then up to almost Crested Butte and afterwards I you know I was feeling okay but we started to climb up uh to Pearl Pass and man I had some of the the worst shin splint pain I have ever experienced in my life and uh without having stopped and taking some painkillers and getting some electrolytes in me and Luke helping with some stretching and, you know, kind of me rubbing it down and stuff like that. It, it was, it was pretty severe pain and I, it slowed me down quite a bit. I think we, we ended up coming up maybe 10 miles short of where we expected to that, that evening. Um, because I just, I couldn't keep the pace. Yeah. Hiking with shin splints is terrible. Yeah. You want to wish that on your worst enemy. Yeah, it really is. I mean, anything involving pain in your feet or your your legs or anything like that where every step sort of punctuates the pain, that that just it's really tough to do. It it takes its mental toll after a while. Yeah, it turns a uh, a joyous uh, occasion <laughs> into a miserable one really quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that help make this show possible. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Fume, for sponsoring the Adventure Sports Podcast. Fume is a flavored air diffuser that you can breathe through. It's not vapor. Instead of electronics, it's completely natural, has no harmful chemicals, no carcinogens or anything like that, but can help you break a bad habit because not all parts of a bad habit are bad. And Fume helps you do just that, helps you enjoy and replaces that bad habit with being able to breathe through the fume and avoid some of the hangups that breathing in chemicals and vapors can have on your lungs. Right now is the best time to start the good habit with Fume. All orders for the month of January have buy one, get one cores, which you put inside the fume. So you can stock up for the New Year's resolution. Plus, as a listener of the Adventure Sports Podcast, you get an extra 10% off when you use the code ADVENTURE. Head to tryfume.com, that's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com slash adventure and use the code ADVENTURE for an additional 10% off plus buy one, get one cores until January 31st to help make starting the good habit that much easier. A lot of the adventures we have on this show requires international travel and oftentimes a new language. Although there's plenty of adventure in just winging it, it really helps and can enrich in the adventure if you go prepared, learning some of the language before you go. And that's why I'm excited to be partnering with Babbel. And so if you're looking for a science-backed language learning app that actually works and works fast, that you don't want to pay hundreds of dollars for, a private tutor, or learning a language that actually is in a way that's not truly the way it's spoken, then you need to try Babbel. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me learn real-life conversational skills in different languages, so it's easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to someone at a store without having to consult an, an app, which you might not have service for, while you're out on an adventure. So with over 10 million subscriptions and 150 scientists that have helped create this app, here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash ASP. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash ASP, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash ASP 
for adventure sports podcasts. Rules and restrictions may apply. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. So you were telling me that you're involved with Big City Mountaineers. You want to take a little bit of time to explain what that is? Sure. So Big City Mountaineers is a uh, they're a nonprofit, and what they do is they they take kids who would probably not otherwise have an opportunity. Um, uh, these are urban kids, kids that grew, grow up in the city and don't really have a an avenue to get outside and have wilderness experiences. Uh, but they take kids out for uh, week-long mentor wilderness mentoring programs, um, and they're they're great for a lot of these kids. It's you know the first time they've been outside and experienced nature. Uh, for a lot of them, it can be a life-changing experience. I think anybody who enjoys the outdoors probably can look back to some pivotal point, you know, some experience where they went outside and saw or did something amazing. And, and it, it affected them and they wanted to do it again. And, and so big city mountaineers, you know, really does provide that for a lot of kids every year. Um, and so we were pretty happy to be able to team up with them and raise, raise a few, a few bucks to, uh, to help out the cause. Yeah, that's awesome. So are these kids all around the country then? Yeah, it's a, uh, their, their office is in, um, uh, Golden, Colorado, in the Mountaineering Building there, but they 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 do work in in various places. Um, if anybody wants to check out their website, it's uh, bigcitymountaineers.org. Yeah, to be able to get the kids out is is great because it's not only the kids that experience it, but their stories and their pride of their accomplishments when they take them back and tell their tell their friends about what they did. I mean, that's that's simply infectious, you know, to get kids excited about getting out in the outdoors and experiencing these kind of things, things that they wouldn't otherwise have a chance to to see. That's great that you guys are involved with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the public spaces and wilderness areas of this country are one of our great treasures and you know if if you live in america they're your birthright you know um so for for them to be able to help some of these kids get out there and experience it is pretty cool pretty cool yeah absolutely well i'll get those uh the links to those sites put up on the show notes so people can click through and check that out and and hopefully help out if they feel that they can. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hey, every dollar counts. And if you're one of those people that uh, does the tax tax uh, exempt stuff, they all, all your donations to them are, are tax exempt. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you can't donate, then uh, maybe think about getting involved and, and helping out with this organization and get kids out there somehow. Yeah, well, I mean, the way that we did our, our um, fundraising was through their Summit for Someone program. Uh, and in, a lot of people raise money for them every year with it. So if you're interested, if you're going to go climb a peak somewhere, if you're going to go do a cool trip, whatever it is, check out Summit for someone um, and see if maybe it'll be a good fit for you. Right on. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. How would you say that hiking, climbing 14ers, doing the hiking that you do, how is that a, a good benefit for uh, society? Well, Honestly, anybody who goes out into the wilderness and and has a nice hike, they're going to come back smiling. And and I mean, at it, just a fundamental level, you know, there's that. If you took any anything else away, people that go out and hike and come back are going to be at least nicer for a couple of days, right? 
So, so I, <laughs> I mean, would think so. there's that. I and and I think that it also serves as is inspiration. Um, you know, anybody that that does something that involves long distance human powered stuff, I find to be kind of inspirational. And so it's always kind of cool for me when I hear about people doing things with their bodies, taking them over long distances. And I think that anytime you do a big trip, the people that you come across, um, the people that, that you hike with, uh, it, it ends up motivating people to, to be more active and to, to, to be more involved with, with sort of the natural world. And I think that that can only be a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, I mean, when you, when you've got people that, that do things like use their trips as a catalyst to basically shake down their friends and family for some donations for, for worthy causes. I mean, that's a direct financial benefit for a lot of nonprofits and things like that. So, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of people that, that, that do that with their annual climb of Rainier or Adams or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, those types of trips, they don't just produce nice memories for those people, but they actually do produce a tangible result as far as, you know, dollars really. Well, it's a great opportunity for people to help out that, uh, maybe don't, uh, don't want to go up a 14 or, or, or have the wherewithal to do it and gives them an opportunity to feel good about themselves as well. Yeah. I mean, it honestly makes them part of the trip. You know, every time that, that we got into a town and we were checking our email or something and we'd see that another donation had come in for BCM, we would get pumped. I mean, that was, that was part of our experience was, was getting those, those notifications that people were donating and that would pump us up. So in a very real way, when people are donating to their friends climb or, or trip, um, or the, the charity for their trip, you know, it, it, it helps motivate. So what kind of tips would you have if somebody were thinking this, uh, this guy makes it sound fun. I think I want to go try it myself. What would your advice be for somebody to get up and do it the first time? I mean, first of all, I'd say talk to any of your friends that, that do this kind of stuff at all. If you've got friends that, that climb 14ers at all, talk to them. Um, if, for instance, you want to get into specifically climbing a 14er, go to 14ers.com. Tons of information there. Uh, there's also a lot of great groups on Facebook, for instance, for local hikes. Um, you've got Meetup, uh, which is a, also a ni- nice resource for people that are trying to get involved in a new activity. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, look around at your local resources and also your friend and acquaintance group to to see who's already kind of doing the stuff that you want to try doing. Um, and, and usually people are, are happy to take you along. You know, if you're like, Hey, I want to try out backpacking, don't really have all the gear, but I want to go out for maybe a night or two. You know, a lot of people have a spare sleeping bag and a backpack and stuff like that. So yeah, re- reach out to your friends in your social circles and, and, uh, and see who can help and go online to, to some of those great resources as well. Yeah, I don't think you're going to find too many people in in this sport or related sports that aren't interested in in lending a hand and showing you the ropes. Yeah, absolutely. It's not like you're asking somebody to show you their totally sweet morel mushroom patch, you know. <laughs> Which, if anybody has one near Boulder, you please write in and tell me. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> 
All right. So how about a funny story? Did something happen along the, the way that we can uh, leave the listeners with a, with a smile on their face? Well, there was the time we uh, sort of wished a pizza into existence. Um, All right, I'll bite. Yeah, so the, that was kind of an interesting day of bonuses. We uh, we left Fairplay intending to go up to the base of Mount Sherman. We were going to camp out um, and in the morning climb Mount Sherman and then continue on the way. We all of a sudden found ourselves at the base of Mount Sherman and it wasn't even noon. So we thought, well... Let's go for it, you know. So we went up, got to the top of Sherman, and it started to rain and kind of snow on us. And it kept raining for the entire rest of the day. So we got down to the to the base, and we thought, well, you know, it's early enough in the day. Let's go ahead and just keep making some miles and, and, and see how far we can go ahead and get today. And the whole time we were talking about, like, oh, you know, wonder if uh, that pizza place in fair play will still deliver out here and you know we could set up our tarp here and just and just order pizza you know so we were we're joking about pizza you know several times throughout this day and then just before we got to the this main road that was going to take us into the little town of alma uh this truck pulls up and this guy offers us a ride and we politely decline and explain to him that we we can't take rides because we're walking all of the 14ers and right and he's like huh no kidding you know he tells us his kids are climbing quandary earlier that day and uh tells us that he's gonna buy us a pizza you know so we're like yeah okay sure you know so he goes yeah you guys are going into south park go go to this or into alma go to the south park saloon and uh and Tell them Joel sent you, and uh, I'm going to buy you a pizza. So we're not real sure whether, like, whatever. We figure, oh, okay, cool. You know, I start laughing. The guy pulls off, and, and we walk the rest of the way into town. The sun comes out just in time to set. We go into town, go into the saloon, and sure enough, the, the bartender asks us, you know, who sent us and what he looked like and what kind of car he was driving and stuff. And and she, uh, we got free pizza and a couple of couple of drinks out of it so it was it was it was pretty cool pretty cool man that's awesome that's awesome you guys run across a lot of people that are offering helping hands on these hikes from what i understand right yeah i mean people are friendly you know contrary to what people see on the evening news people by and large are are friendly and uh when you're doing something that that people think is cool you know offering a helping hand is is a way that you become part of that trip so I think people are are prone to to offer help. Uh, there's there's definitely still that that uh, that spirit of welcoming strangers and travelers. You know, so it's it's alive and well. I assure you. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. So I also wanted to mention you have a website that details a little bit about this trip. It shows the the route that you guys took and a little bit of descriptions and photos from. Uh, from the trip, and I wanted to point that out to people. It's 14ersthroughhike.com, and that's 1-4-E-R-S-T-H-R-U-hike.com. I'll put the link on the show notes as well so they can take a peek at that. It's a, a phenomenal journey, and, uh, man, good for you guys for accomplishing that. That's huge. Yeah, and absolutely. Uh, I did want to actually mention, too, that there is a a fellow who is going to be attempting to do um, a modified version of our route 
this year. He'll actually be starting um, on Friday. I think that's the Friday the 10th. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, check him out. He's also going to be trying to raise some money for uh, a, a, a cheer- children's uh, cancer charity. So, uh, you know, if you're so inclined, definitely check him out as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good deal. Janaid, thanks so much for spending a little time with me on the podcast. Uh, this sounds like a great trip, and uh, and I hope to hear about the, the next endeavor that you guys launch out on. Absolutely. Well, you know, me too. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, I appreciate your time. Have a good hey, night. Thanks a lot for having me. First of all, Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to the show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.